this week's episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Grab a seat at the table as Masters Rowing Coaches Marlene Royal and Rebecca Caro share their biggest secrets on how to unleash your hidden potential and plot a new course for real results on the water and off. Now, on to the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. I'm Rebecca Caro, and today we're talking about backsplash more or less it's a bit of a controversy and i'm going to really enjoy digging into it but before we get into the detail i want to remind everybody that in the newsletter last week i sent out a notification about a camp that us rowing is running for masters at their national training center chula vista which is near san diego in california and it runs from april the 1st to the 4th it is open to anyone not just people who are in the USA. And so if you can happen to get over there, I may, I'm very much hoping to be one of the coaches there, uh, but we do have a minimum number of attendees needed before that can happen. Secondly, the weekend following the camp is going to be the San Diego Crew Classic, where uh, Marlene and I advocated heavily for them to include more masters events and also to include new masters events. So if you wanted to come to the camp as a crew and then go on to race, I'm sure that you could be accommodated. So April 1 to 4, the details were in the newsletter last week. They've also been emailed out from US Rowing. And I very much hope that some of you will come and join us there. Now, backsplash. This is the upthrowing of water as the oar goes into the water at the catch. And <clears throat> it's often seen as a indication of either on one side of the fence, incredible skill, blade work, ability to handle the oar, timing the placement, and on the other side of the fence, it's seen as a break on the forward movement of the boat. Now, when your oar goes into the water, we're going to start with a tiny little bit of really helpful context setting, thanks to Valery Kleshnev and his BioRow website. This is from a discussion which is on something he calls the catch factor and blade slip. But what is helpful here is this statement. When the blade changes direction at the catch, its velocity relative to the boat becomes zero. What that means is as the oar goes into the water, it's going into the water as the arc is changing direction. So first your oar is traveling towards your bow. And then as it goes into the water, it is going in at the same speed that the boat is moving, because of course your boat is also moving forwards. And then of course, the oar relative to the boat starts to push towards the stern. Now, they go on to say that if the blade is planted in the water at this time, it would hit water with its back face, producing a backsplash and a braking force. And so the blade must be accelerated backwards up to a certain velocity to hit the water with its front or achieve a neutral entry. 
Now, I thought this was a really helpful description to firstly understand a little bit of the physics because it's reasonably complicated. The boat is moving relative to the water, the oar is moving relative to the boat, and then the oar is changing direction. So there's, there's quite a lot of moving parts. When your oar goes into the water, if you have a backsplash, the back, the curved face of the blade is throwing water in the direction of the bow, in the direction of the boat travel. If you have forward slash, it's the other splash, it's the other way. The oar, the curved front of the oar is throwing up water and it's directed um, towards your stern. And ideally, as Valeri says there, you want a V splash. So you get a little bit of both because the hope is that your oar goes into the water in a reasonably neutral way so that it neither breaks the boat, but also you don't miss water at the catch. So I think it's instructive to go into what actually happens at the catch with the oars. Your oar needs to be squared before it goes into the water. And as your seat rolls towards the stern, your seat gets to a point where it stops and changes direction. And that is the perfect time for your oar to already be under the water. Note I said already. So at the catch, your handle, whether you're sweep, moving upwards or sculling, moving with both hands, your handle needs to move upwards so that the tip of the blade moves downwards towards the water's surface. And of course, with our hatchet shaped oars that we use nowadays, conveniently, the bottom edge of the oar is a straight line. And relative to the height of the handle, you should be able to get that straight line to being an inch, a centimeter, a few millimeters above the surface of the water in the milliseconds prior to you lifting the handle and putting it under the water. So one of the first things that I think is really important before you start worrying about whether you should or shouldn't do backsplash is, are you bringing your blade down to the catch so that you're not missing water? Missing water is when your slide changes direction and your shins move from vertical to, you know, somewhere off vertical because your leg drive has begun before the oar is fully covered. Now, when the oar goes into the water, it doesn't immediately start to accelerate the boat. It actually has to get fully under the water and then start to move in a sternward direction as you apply force. And then the water starts piling up in front of the face of the blade. And then you are kind of gripped, engaged, use the word that you choose, and you're starting to power the boat forward on that stroke. Your skill at moving the oar from above the water to under the water is a key part of timing that placement. And obviously you can lift your hands faster or more slowly. But also important is the gap between the lower edge of the oar and the water surface at the moment that you change direction on your seat. And I say that deliberately because the change of direction in the seat is actually the catch. That is when you need your oar to be under the water. So how close to the water can you get the bottom edge of the blade 
before your seat changes direction. And secondly, then how soon after it goes into the water can you get it gripping onto the water? Can you start to drive away from that placement? So there's a lot going on here. Backsplash is definitely either you love it or you hate it, but it's quite a useful technique to help teach yourself and your crewmates whether or not your oars are coming down toward the water at the catch or whether or not you're skying, which is sometimes called waving to mum, um, but whether or not your oars are very high above the water before you change direction. And then by definition, you're missing the opportunity to have the oar under the water while you drive the first part of your legs. And so backsplash and using it is a useful way to help athletes work out how high you need to lift your handles as you come up to the catch. An easy way uh, to do that is just to try and see if you can hit the water before you change direction on the seat. Just row, lift your handles up earlier than you think. And I use the word earlier advisedly because I think that a lot of people want quick catches but actually what you first need is an early hand movement so that the height above the water that the oar is is reduced and then that means you've got less distance to go to get the oar under the water so in fact you can then have a quicker catch because it's actually moving through a smaller um, vertical displacement so i like to use backsplash firstly as a way of helping people work out Where's the water relative to my blades? And if you're in the sculling boat, of course, is it symmetrical? Do you hit the water at the same moment with both your left and your right hand? I think a lot of people forget that in sculling, your left hand is always above your right. And when you come up to the catch, your left hand is still above your right. Andy's watching us live and he says, I think the catch should be considered as part of the recovery rather than the drive. Andy, absolutely support that. And if you can help an athlete to think into that mindset, you're a really, really good coach. Because when you're learning to row, there is a tendency for athletes to roll up to the catch and then stop moving the seat and then try and put the oars into the water or to bounce in and out of the catch. So the seat rolls and then the seat rolls back before they've put the blade in the water. And part of that is, I think, caused by people squaring too late. If you wait until you've got to full slide before you square the blades, by definition, you're going to miss that timing point on the catch. So teaching your beginners to square a little earlier as their hands come over their ankles or over the toes of their shoes so that they're fully square in the last quarter of the slides. They're rolling forward with the blades already square, then it's very easy to say the only thing you have to do is lift your hands. You don't have to roll the blades square. So there are fewer things to do at a point in the stroke where you want to finesse in the timing point. So I think using backsplash is useful for that, firstly. Secondly, if you're more skillful, I think you can use the movement of trying to create backsplash as a way of getting more boat speed. If you can get your blade under the water before you've changed direction at the catch, then 
you may find that you get additional boat speed because your legs are um, closer to full compression. And so you're able to use more of your leg to propel leg drive to propel the boat forward and less of it to propel the oar through the air before it comes down and into the water. If you're ever looking at a crew, you can take a there's a quite an easy way of seeing how well they are timing that front end. And if you're stern on or bow on, you look at the oar and you see, is the oar still coming towards you if you're in front of the boat? Or if you're watching from behind, are the oars moving away from you right up to the moment that they go into the water? Because what you don't want is the oar being high above the water and then slicing back down toward coming back towards the stern and missing water. So just looking at where the spoon of your oar is moving relative to the hull of the boat as you come into the catch is a really good coaching point. Um, or if you're watching video of your crew, you can slow it down and see, are my oars still moving towards the bow as they begin to go in the water? Or have they started to move back towards the stern before they go in the water? I'm in a crew at the moment and we are spending quite a lot of time focusing on backsplash because when we get our backsplash going, we also have found that we get an added benefit of the boat being a little more stable. And I think that is because both um, bow side and stroke side are lifting their handle simultaneously to achieve the backsplash. And we're then actually timing our catches better between the two sides. So you might want to try that for yourself as well. There was a very good discussion on Facebook when I announced this um, podcast and Ian Carmody said, at a low rate, backsplash is a must. So at racing rate, the backsplash disappears, but he says you aren't missing any water. And Nick Laverick, was the person who provided me with the reference to the BioRow article that I showed you earlier. And Ken Plum said, you should split the water with a V-shaped splash. So different ways to approach it. But if you want to learn how to do it, or if you're a coach and you're listening and you want to teach how to do it, my suggestion is this. Start with only half the crew rowing so the boat is fully stable. Row with square blades so that there is very little that the athlete has to do in or before they they put the oar in the water and get them to row looking out at their oars so they can actually see how close to the water they can get that lower edge of the spoon before the placement. Then get them to not look at their oars and try to feel the same movement and to actually feel that moment where the lower edge of the oar hits the water. Then I get them to look at their handle heights and try to get them to identify a, a, a point, a visual reference from where their eyes are past their hands, preferably to the back of the person in front of them or if they're the stroke person to a, a point on the stern canvas so that they know that they've got to lift their hands up to that point in order to make the oar go down to the water. Because I think that 
with a visual, we're very visual people, humans. Um, with a visual reference, they then know I've got to go up until my knuckles are in line with um, the girl in front's bra strap or, um, you know, the other person's armpit or, or whatever it is. Something that they can actually see and reference so that they don't have to look at the ore. So you're beginning to give them an alternative to looking at the ore to try and figure out how close to the water surface they can get the blades. When they can do that quite successfully, I then get them to try and lift their handles a little earlier in the recovery so that the ore really starts to come down to the, towards the surface of the water as they're between half and three quarter slide. Now, that requires, and because you're rowing square blades, it requires you to have a good high balance. So when you've taken yours out of the water, your handles are traveling reasonably low, close to your thighs in the early part of the recovery. If you can't do that, it's pretty blooming impossible to square your blades and get a backsplash because in order to square your blades, you've first got to lower the handles so there's enough clearance, and then you've got to raise them again to get the oars down towards the water and make the backsplash. So for me, keeping your hands low, keeping the oar high above the water surface and the recovery is a really useful thing to do. I know this is not what everybody teaches. And then I like to teach the backsplash as something that is a timing point against your seat. I hinted at this earlier. You get the athletes to listen for the wheels turning on their seat. So listen for that moment of silence when the wheels stop turning, and that's when your seat is changing direction. And then get them to time their placement with the change of direction in the seat. Now, there are also some drills that you can do that can help to teach the handle movement of the placement, not necessarily to teach backsplash. One of them are slap catches, um, which I think is a very Australasian thing. I've I had never done them um, until I was coached by someone from down under. The way you do a slap catch is you do your recovery with your oars feathered. And then as you come up towards the placement, you don't square your oar, you leave them feathered and you lift the handles up as if you were putting the oars in the water and the oar slaps with a flat surface straight onto the surface of the water. You don't need to rush this, but you then gently square your blades, take a stroke, and then do another stroke with, with normal rowing. So you alternate one stroke with a slap catch and one just normal rowing or sculling. The slap, you're listening for the timing. Is it the same if you're sculling on both sides or actually even in rowing? And you can make a really loud noise. You can have a lot of fun with this. Say, no, I want it louder. And so the crew has to very De deliberately lift the handles up to make the oar slap onto the surface of the water. And so that tends to teach them how to lift the handle up and how to time the handle lift along with the seat arrival into the catch. So that's quite a useful way of um, just, uh, you know, training people in the sort of movements that you want. And so I then usually just go into normal rowing and encourage you to do 10 strokes backsplash, 10 strokes normal. And that helps people to learn how much handle lift is needed. Now, it's really hard to do backsplash coaching like this if the boat isn't stable. 
So self-evidently, you might choose to continue to do it as a teaching point with half the crew keeping the boat level or maybe two people keeping it level and everyone else rowing. But it also is something that is well worth doing just as an exaggeration, particularly in your slow, steady work, as Ian Carmody said. You're doing, you know, rate 18, 20, 22. Right, we're going to do 10 strokes, adding a backsplash. And you can do it for 10 strokes, and then you can come off and go back to normal rowing. And if you have a speed measurement device in your boat, of course, you can then see if it has any effect on how the boat is moving. So I'd love to hear any more comments from anyone else. Pro or con, do you like backsplash? Do you like a V-splash? Do you like no splash at all and that neutral entry that uh, Valery Kleshnev talked about? Um, what do you do and does it work for you? Is this something that's a worthwhile thing to spend some time learning? I've been Rebecca Caro and this was Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Till next time. <laughs> Part of the Rowing Chat Podcast Network. Please tell your rowing friends about the show. And if you've learned just one helpful thing from today's episode, please consider supporting the show for as little as $1 per month by visiting fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast. Uh -huh.